Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 133 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years, Royal Pizza. Offering curbside pickup, takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stopper recommendation, meat lovers. All right, without further ado, I'm joined by the uh, happiest Cleveland Browns fan in Edmonton. Jack Michaels, two and one on the season. Break it out, man. It's happening for them. And this perhaps is the only one in Edmonton. But yes, we'll take our first winning record of any kind since 2014 and go on down the road. That is, uh, who do they play this week, by the way? They play the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, well, so that'll be a... Now, do the Cowboys still have the sort of America's team thing that they had going on back in the 70s, Jack, when I was a kid growing up and Roger Staubach was my favorite NFL player? They're probably still one of the most popular teams, for sure. I I think they're also one of the most perennially overrated teams, uh, considering, what do they have, two playoff wins in the last 20 five years so uh you know i think i think it'll be uh i think it'll be a long time before we see uh dallas have the kind of popularity they they did back in the 70s and 80s but they're still in a group with the you know what the steelers are are right there in terms of america's team and and one of the most popular teams in the league yeah, they're not exactly the Alabama Crimson Tide anymore, are they? The uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Like that's a, that's a team in college football that everybody uh, uniformly loves, and uh, you know uh, they they honor their president regardless of who it is. Give them a standing ovation. I'm having a little bit of fun with you. Do you think they are the most despised college football team out there, Jack? Alabama. Yes. Yeah, I think Alabama. Anytime you win as much as Alabama has you're going to be a polarizing kind of club. So they they attract the Bob Stoffers of the world, but they also attract those who uh, feel like Nick Saban is right there amongst uh, someone you just mentioned. 
Yes. All right. Uh, let's uh, switch focus here for a second. Uh, you watched the ESPN 30 for 30. Was uh, was Mojo out of line today when we were shooting the panel, suggesting that I bear a striking resemblance to Jerry Krause? I'm, I'm surprised you're bringing it up. I, I thought you would turn the page on that one. That one stung you a bit, huh? Yeah, no, I... You gotta, you gotta, you know what, Jack? We got nothing. We don't have anything going on. We, we don't know when we're gonna play again. I, we'll get to the hockey stuff in a second. You gotta be able to poke a little bit of fun at yourself, can't you? Yeah, I guess. I, I, um, I mean, as I recall, Jerry Krause was not really proportionate. I mean, uh, you're fairly proportionate. Was it Jerry Krause? I mean, he looked like he should be taller somehow but, uh, <laughs> when i was 12 i thought i was going to be t- taller i just stopped growing at height wise at 12 they said you're going to be 6'4 240 i had no problem getting to the 240 but didn't quite make it to 64 their word for it and they screwed you yeah exactly uh all right uh let's get to how do you think this is jack do you think this is going to be a uh busier um draft and free agency period for trades and that sort of thing than we've seen in the past because of the, the situation with COVID and the flat cap. I think it could be for the Oilers uh, and the situation with their picks. I, th- I think it could be. I I don't, you know, I don't necessarily see, you know, huge moves in the top four or five picks of this draft. But then again, you know, I, I, I don't see that happening. I do think... The Oilers' pick situation uh, lends itself to maybe looking at that number 14 as, as currency rather than a pick you're actually going to step up and take. Uh, you know, I also, I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I think what you're asking me is, you know, is there is there a perception that maybe after the top, you know, six or seven picks, you could it, it, it could be a bit of a, you know, it could get a little wild, and because you're unsure of, you know, that maybe there's not a lock at 10 or 11 that you go ahead and deal a pick, and that could lead to, you know, several different things happening. If it does, Bob, then, then the Oilers might be, you know, might be able to find a partner or two. And that's, you know, that's something that, that uh, Tyler Wright uh, made, made apparent this morning. He said, you know, on paper it looks like uh, we could make a number of deals, but in order to make a number of deals, you got to find partners. And in our experience, Bob, of covering some drafts where we thought picks or prospects might be in play, uh, there was rarely a partner uh, outside of a couple of minor moves uh, in the second or third round. So that's what I'll be interested to see what happens is is uh, if the Oilers can find a partner. Because if they do, I, I strongly believe there's a real possibility that number 14 could be in play for Edmonton. Especially if, again, the caveat there is I do think there's some question after the top four or five picks. I I think after that, the order could get a little scrambled. And if it does, and the Oilers have a guy, let's say, rated seven or eight or on their board, and and he's still there at 14, then they're going to be awfully tempted to step up and make that pick. Yeah, I I think the picks can end. I think the trade or the. 14th overall pick to be traded, and the Oilers might be able to add maybe more than one uh, additional draft choice. Obviously, they did yeah, you know, I, I think a late, a late first, an early second, and possibly another pick uh, later in the draft as well. Jack Michaels joining us right now. If you had to make the pick at 14, and there was a guy that kind of makes sense there, who is it for you? 
Well, you know, you kind of shot it down. You you seem to think Marco Rossi is going to be long gone by then. And you yes. know what? I'm not going to disagree with you. You usually have a little more insight into that type of situation uh, than I do. Uh, and then, you know, Seth Jarvis, who we talked about uh, this morning when you and I convened to do a little thing for Edmonton Oilers TV at EdmontonOilers.com, uh, would be one of a handful of guys, Bob, that are hovering around, you know, 5'10", 5'11", you know, 175, 180 pounds, uh, that, uh, as we talked about this morning, on draft boards 20 years ago, wouldn't be cracking the top 40, let alone the top 15, and yet uh, a guy that might, you know, might make a lot of sense. I, I think what the Oilers are, are, are looking for, if I had to guess, if they're going to step up and make the pick at 14, they're looking for a high-scoring four. That would be my guess, simply because I think if you look at the prospects up and down the line, they're probably a little bit deeper on the back end. And I don't think the Oilers are going to draft a goalie. I know there's there's a goalie out there, uh, Russian-born, that, you know, that a lot of people are talking about might crack the top 20. I don't think the Oilers are going to go that route. I think they'll go with the scoring forward. And uh, I think, you know, if one of Rossi, Quinn, or Jarvis are out there, those would be those would be three guys that, that certainly fit the bill of what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, there's been lots of stuff written. We just had Elliot Freeman on, Frank Cervelli's Panda piece with a lot of tidbits on the orders out there. Um, we both have a lot of time for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Obviously, we'd love to see him uh, get re-signed here. We'll continue to chip away on that. Jack, is there something to be said, free agency, focusing on the free part in the sense that the players are free and you don't have to give up assets to get them? And uh, do you have more wiggle room now because of the potential of deploying Oscar Clefbaum and LTIR? You mean saving the $4 million off your cap? Yeah. Yeah. I think you do have some wiggle room, Bob, but I still think, what does that leave the Oilers with? Roughly 12, then? Yeah, well, I got them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've already factored in an extension for Bear on a short-term deal, so I got a little bit less than everybody else. Most people, when they're doing those numbers, don't include Bear's contract. Uh, The system's not going to work to Bear's advantage this year. It will next year, so figure it out. Uh, but yeah, like, give me a couple of UFAs that you'd like to see the orders, maybe like one in goal. Is there somebody at center you like? Maybe a defenseman. Well, I, I personally still think uh, I, I like the idea of a cost controlled contract. I, I, if you can, if you can find a guy with some term left, that's, that's what I'd prefer. And that's why I don't like, I mean, I know he's got term left. I, I'm a little. I, I'm not as bullish as some people are on Oliver Ekman Larson. I, I don't necessarily think uh, there's a deal to be made that I love there for Oliver Ekman Larson, and I realize that kind of puts me on an island. Uh, you know, I might be in the minority there. Uh, I, I honestly think the Oilers should should stay the course. I, I think Ken Holland improved the team significantly on a budget. Uh, in the last offseason, and I think he can do the same uh, this offseason. Yes, you don't have to give up assets when you're talking about unrestricted free agents, Bob. That's a good point you make. My counterpoint to that is that often the, the unrestricted free agents, in my estimation, 
more often than not lead to overpaying than other areas of the marketplace. And that's why I like to see a, a contract that's already secured it in place and see if there's a deal to be made there. Because I find you end up overpaying in some situations. I, I think, for instance, it's very possible that someone ends up overpaying for Anton Hudobin, just to mention one. And I, I'm not picking on Anton. He's a quality goalie. But, you know, if someone out there wants to give him 5 or $6 million, I'd let him do it. I wouldn't be tempted to kind of go ahead and... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Make that move because I don't think the upgrade is there for the money you're showing out. That's just my opinion. All right, Jack, I'm going to totally circle back to where we started. Uh, we were talking a bit about Last Dance and uh, obviously the brilliant ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? LeBron is now playing in his 10th NBA final. He played in eight straight, and he's taken three different teams to the big dance. Who's better in your opinion? Michael Jordan. Why? Uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, I think the NBA Finals is a little bit deceptive because we're dealing with a different league. We're dealing with a different power structure with re- as it relates to the players and the owners. Michael Jordan took a mediocre team and, and made it and, and made it much, much, much better from the ground up. And yes, you can say that there are players developed and drafted after him, but he he helped develop those players, and not not in the traditional sense. He he developed them from a mental standpoint in a way that I don't think you know LeBron has has achieved. I, I will give LeBron credit for dragging uh, the 2007 and the 2000. 17 Cavaliers to the finals. Two of the least talented teams ever to make the finals. No question about that. I will give him credit for that. But ultimately, I I just, I don't remember. Well, look, you know, Michael Jordan played in an NCAA championship and won it. He played in Olympics twice and won it. He played in six NBA finals and won all six. In all six of those NBA finals, he was the most valuable player. He has not lost on the game's biggest stage. I'm not saying that's necessarily a negative against LeBron that he has. I'm not going to call him a choker because he's three and six in NBA finals. He still won the championship three times. But to negotiate your entire career on the national stage that Jordan did over a 16 year period, and you could 
you could accurately say he really never lost a big game. That's unbelievable. I mean, I don't think that's really been done before, other than by, you know, Bill Russell when when that was another, you know, that was the real nebulous development of the league. I mean, the, the league was different when Jordan came in as, as compared as, as it was to the Celtics. So, uh, and, and LeBron handpicked the last few teams he's gone to. You know, he took some resources with him to Miami. He took some resources with him back to Cleveland. And he certainly orchestrated uh, the rejiggering of, of L.A.'s roster. That is not something that Michael Jordan had the power to do when he played. So, for those and many other reasons, Michael Jordan is my runaway choice over LeBron James. I don't think LeBron James is the second best player in the history of the NBA. Who would you have as second? My second choice would be either Magic Johnson or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And then you're into uh, Wilt Chamberlain territory. Uh, and then you can start talking about LeBron James. I, I think LeBron James at this point has caught and passed uh, Larry Bird. But I think, uh, you know, in, in Magic Johnson, you're talking about a guy who revolutionized an entire position. And in and in some respects, uh, you know, as, as you know, played center uh, when he had to in game six of the 1980 NBA Finals. He was a utility guy before he even knew what a utility guy was. You could play him anywhere on the floor, and he's the best point guard in the history of the league. So uh, there's just some guys out there that I, I think are better basketball players than, than LeBron James. Do you know what I sense at times, Jack? Sometimes it's a little bit it, – it's funny because when I was – there, there's – it's a it's a conversation that can be a tad ageist. You know what I mean? Like you and me had the privilege of watching Jordan when he was in his prime, and he was the most dominant athlete on the planet. Like, Wayne Gretzky was brilliant in a different way, but those two were somewhat comparable in terms of the scoring numbers and that sort of thing. And you know, Gretzky eight straight Hart trophies in Edmonton. But if you're under the age of say forty one or forty two. Maybe you got to rip. You, you think of Michael Jordan. You think of a couple of years at the end of his career in Washington with the Wizards. You know, or, right? There's a recency bias, 100. Yeah, percent Right. And you, you know, know what? There. I. But you could easily flip that around and saying, you know, we're we're old fogies that are. I just when I when I watched the Last Dance, I I the athleticism. I don't think his. I don't think, you know, there's been another progression of athleticism from Michael Jordan to LeBron James. I still think Jordan's the better athlete. Well, I look it, at the two right now. I honestly think, and you know, look, you can you can call me crazy. I just think I still think Jordan's a better athlete than LeBron James. I, those films of Michael Jordan don't look like grainy films of Bob yes. Cousy making a behind-the-back pass to Bill Russell. Those look like films of a guy who would step in and absolutely torch this league for 45 a night well, you were playing it's, today. It's interesting because of all – I mean, the Edmontoners had – Two lines of guys that had two guys on you know, that are you know you had Messi playing with Anderson's Glenn Anderson's birthday today and you had Curry and Gretzky that's for phrasing you had Gretzky and Curry and Messi and Anderson and and I was privileged watching that but you know what Connor McDavid finishing top two in scoring the last four years given some of the deficiencies in the Oilers lineup that's quite special what Leon Drysaddle's accomplished the last two years. 
those guys are headed down a path where they're going to be, I mean, we know McDavid's special. I don't know if people thought uh, Dreisaitl will be this good. But where I'm going with this, Jack, is it's hard to compare back to a 21-team NHL when six or seven teams were just horrendous and had did the, the talent separation between the good and bad teams was incredible versus today when it's so marginal. So it makes it a little bit different, but you're not loading up teams the way right. the, the, the NBA, NBA still loads. Has that talent gap. The major, yes. major League Baseball still has that talent yes. gap. Hockey you're, doesn't. Be, right, because for those sports, Bob, it doesn't do any good to be mediocre. It doesn't do any good to constantly be the eight or nine seed in the NBA's <laughs> Eastern Conference. It, there, there isn't any sort of reward for that. You're, you're playing to get up into the top three or four of the draft. And, and you know, I know you were talking about the Oilers forwards. That, that there's another guy, and I know I've brought it up before, but it's, it's funny. We were talking about recency bias and and things of that nature, and how some guys somehow end up in, in the rearview mirror a little bit. And, and again, I, I still think there's an argument uh, for Paul Coffey being the second best defenseman in the history of the league. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm with you. Know, you. I, we got on that soapbox a little bit in July and August, and I really started to look at the numbers, and I, it just it amazes me. And again, it's just it's testament to how great those Oilers clubs were that uh, what he accomplished, I think, was tremendously swept under the rug, both at the time and now. I have a theory. Actually, look at the numbers. I have a theory why. You watch the 87 Canada Cup. It's not close between Coffee and Bork. Paul Coffey's way better than Bork in the 87 Canada Cup. And my well, I theory hope on- there are people out there who don't think Ray Bork was a better player than Paul Coffey. I really well, hope that there are there are people that think it's sacrilegious to suggest that coffee's better than Bork, and I'll tell you part of the reason why coffee was better than Bork because he practiced on a daily basis against Gretzky and Curry and Messi and Anderson, and they made him better. That's that's and at the pace that they played, I mean, Glenn Anderson posterized Ray Bork in the 1990 Stanley Cup Final in Game Five. He could do that to you, so I'm with well, you, you, man. You look at the numbers. You look at the numbers, and sorry, the only one in contention for the kind of scoring championships and MVP situations other than Bobby Orr was Paul Coffey. And and I look at some of the MVP voting, particularly between 83 and 86, and you just wonder what people were thinking. And again, it's when you have Wayne Gretzky, there's, there's a tendency to bestow all the credit on that, you know, amazing, you know, front line that you were just talking about. But the numbers that Paul Coffey were putting up during that stretch has only been surpassed one time and by one guy, and that's Bobby Orr. All right, Jack, great stuff. Thanks for your time, man. We'll talk next week. Boy, we really ran the gamut, didn't we? <laughs> hey, it's fun. It's good conversation. Have a good weekend, Jack. See you later. One fifty-three in Edmonton. We're going to, uh, yeah, we don't even. We're not even going to take a break, Brendan. We'll merge the breaks and get out of here at one fifty-five today. We're going to go to list day in Oilers history for, oh, Brendan Escott back of the six thirty Chad Studio. A convoluted myriad of moves made by the brilliant Glenn Sather. Tell us about it. Uh, 1986, the Oilers send defenseman Craig Muni to Buffalo in a cash deal. He's then traded to Pittsburgh the next day and then back to the Oilers on October 6th. He would play seven seasons with Edmonton winning the Stanley Cup in 87, 88, and 90. All right, quickly, we're going to bang off some texts here. Uh, I'm so with you guys on Paul Coffey. Easily the most underrated player in NHL history, best skater ever. Again, just 
do yourself a favor, watch the 87 Canada Cup, not even close between Coffee and Bork. The Russians got to Bork in that three-game series. They weren't getting to Paul Coffey. This texter says, uh, not to mention Jordan stepped out to play Major League Baseball, where he never, just for the texter's purposes, he played minor league ball. He did not play Major League Baseball. Uh, Coffee losing the Norris to Rod Langway is never going to be okay. Yep. I agree. That was a bad call. You can text us at 780-496-0063. Brad says, hey, guys, have either of you seen the stats comparison between LeBron and Bird? There's an argument to be made that Bird was better. I personally uh, don't believe that Larry Bird was better than LeBron. I think I would have LeBron in my top three all day. I do think, though, if you didn't see him in his prime with Michael Jordan, it's not even close. Former defenseman Mark gets the final word. LeBron James is a great player. He, however, does not have the killer instinct. Kobe Bryant had more killer instinct than LeBron. Michael Jordan was and will always be the greatest basketball player of all time. He refused to lose. I find uh, LeBron to be more affable. I hate LeBron's politics, but I love LeBron as a basketball player. I also happen to be a Lakers fan, so you can figure I'd be biased towards LeBron for that. Michael Jordan all the way from former defenseman Mark. Uh, Thank you to all of you who took the time to uh, text us over the course of the week. We get hundreds of texts a day. Don't have time to get to them all. Monday is a fluid show. We're working on a couple things as we go into the draft. Uh, John Shannon and Reed Wilkins will be swinging by. Reed Wilkins has got inside sports tonight. Brendan, what's he got shaking? You will hear from the director of prospect scouting for McKean's Hockey, Ryan Wagman. Morley Scott previews the return of the EE Coaches Show on Monday night as well. All right. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Jet Afternoons of Jalen and I. Have a terrific weekend, everybody, and we'll join you Monday. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.